2: Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Package Day Podcast. I'm Steve Peretz, joined by Dusty Evely. We do not have the Dream Team together because uh, today we found out that uh, Sarah Kelleher has officially made it big time. A big time. She a up big time. She, she is leaving us, not for another podcast, but she is presenting a for her college in front of the freaking United Nations. Dusty, I need your reactions because this girl undersold the hell out of the fact yeah. that she's presenting in front of the United Nations. Yeah, we, talk, we talked about we talked about it and she told us it was a school presentation.
3: Yeah, before and after we recorded last week. She was like, Oh guys, I don't think I'm gonna be there. I gotta I'm gonna be on a flight. I'm going to New York. I got a presentation for school. She mentioned it a couple times and not once. In fact, I was kind of away. You messaged me at some point tonight and you're like, Sarah's presenting to the UN I was like, What are you talking about? Uh yeah, she did not mention this at all. It was very calm. I have to go to New York for a presentation for school, and that's all it was. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, – I don't have to think, man. I'm reeling. It's insane. Good for her. Good good for us, I guess, because, you know, we, we talk to her on a regular basis. So I'm going to take some amount of credit for this. Um, but, yeah, thats
2: it's amazing. Just, But we had zero idea. So I did – it will be iced out next week if she does not refer to the <laughs> Packers – or Oreo cookies before at the end of her speech, like that needs to somewhere in the closing needs to talk about her love of one of the two. So, if that doesn't happen, I will cut her off. I will not ask her questions. I will do everything in my possible in my my abilities not to give her any time because she's spoken from the UN. That's enough uh, airtime for her. I think mm-hmm. that we can for one week at least we can kind of cut her off. You and just lo- you, right you
3: so. lob me the softball questions and you give her like the really really difficult ones.
2: Yes, absolutely. I'm going to look up the most difficult Denver Bronco names on the team, and I'll ask her for pronunciations.
1: Okay, that's Um, good.
2: That's good. On the spot. Yeah, Yeah, maybe we'll play Denver Bronco or Denver Lawyer, and, uh, you know, (laughs) I'll do some research beforehand, and we'll kind of. (laughs) That's that's kind of a fun game. I kind of like that one. (laughs) yeah well, I, come up with some fun yeah it'll be good it'll i be would good. say
3: we shouldn't be talking about this right now uh but she's not gonna listen to this so she's not gonna know what's coming so it's fine it's fine
2: <laughs> absolutely so we are victorious with last time we talked we were predicting everybody predicted a packers victory so we're all one and oh right now um we've moved on to minnesota and the first home game for the packers of the year so of course, Aaron Rodgers speaks. We need to talk about it. So, Dusty, I need to hear what you're thinking. Um, Rodgers talked about how he doesn't want a wave going around during the offense. Uh, he doesn't want people telling other people to sit down. Listen, man it's
3: it's 2019. Why are people doing the wave? First of all, at all. First of all, at all. Unless it's like a blowout. And then second of all, on offense. Like, this is – it's it should not have to be said. This is not something that the starting quarterback should have to vocalize is, maybe you shouldn't do the way of doing offense because that's something that everyone should know. That's innate knowledge that you were, you're actually born with. That's not even something you have to be told. That's an instinct that's given to you from birth. But now your quarterback has to tell you not to do that, which is just remarkably dumb. So, uh, yeah, good for him for saying that. And then the um, – yeah, don't tell people this. Where,
2: where do you say – yeah, where do you stand on the whole uh... – Sitting, don't sit. Sit when you're supposed to sit. All that kind of. Tell people telling you to sit down.
3: Yeah, I'm a, I'm an old person, Steve. You and I are both old people. Very uh, I'm, I'm not going to stand up for an entire game. Uh, I don't. That's not what this. To be clear, this is not what this is about. This is not like people are standing up all game. Uh, the, The I know the the knock on Lambeau, and I've I've been there like three or four times. I've only encountered this once that like you know a big third down or a big play or something like that is having someone behind you be like sit down. Like I there's you stand on occasion. You stand for a big play. You get up for whatever. Like that's that's the contract you sign when you go to a game. That's my thinking. Like you're not no one's standing up the whole time. Unless you're in high school, because, well, I don't know, why not? But, I, I don't know. If people are going to stand, and they're going to stand during big moments, I I don't understand people telling people to, to sit down. It's because they go to every game, it's season ticket holders, or just people go to every game, and they're just kind of like, I sit here, this is what I do, you have your routine. You don't want people standing in front of you. Like, I get it to some extent, but at the same time, why are you going to a game if you're not going to get up?
2: Completely with you, I think that's, that. my biggest takeaway was, I don't want to stand for a whole game. That's just yeah. – that's awful. That's going to kill your feet, like, for three hours. You do that, especially if it starts getting colder. Um, you know, you've got – even if you got feet warmers going in there, like, you, you need to <laughs> kind of be able to do a little bit of everything. You need to sit. You need to stand. You need to have a couple beers or a hot toddy, you know, warm yourself up a little bit. All this needs, stuff needs to go on. But don't shame people. Don't tell yeah. them to sit down because you don't like the fact that – they're sitting. look, if somebody's standing in front of you and there's a timeout, like – Let it be. Let it be. Like let somebody else appreciate Lambeau Field the way that they need to do it. So I think it's it's a good message of pay attention to the game, cheer at the right times, and don't do the wave. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with what he's saying, and as you said, it's kind of stupid that he has to come out and say this. Yeah, yeah, especially the wave.
3: This is dumb. Yeah. Don't do the wave, especially when they're on offense. If you want to make noise on defense, you can do it. If you want to do the wave, fine. Friggin' whatever. But just don't don't make noise on offense, man. Just don't. We know better. Everyone knows. It's 2019. After the big play. Better.
2: After the big play, make a play. Correct. 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 Yell. Yell and scream and do all that stuff. I do have a funny wave story. If we have, like, a minute, you'll actually get a kick out of this. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I was at the Brewers game when I was, like, 22, 23, just back from college. Um... And me and my best friend, his wife, we were all at the game. We we're having a good time. Everybody's drinking beers. We're getting ridiculous. And the guy next to us in the bleachers was wasted, just wasted, like beyond belief. His wife was with him, um, and we started egging him on, like, "Dude, you should get the wave going. Like, this will be great. You should get the <laughs> wave going." And I'm talking like mid 40s, like beer belly. Like, he should get the wave going. So he starts doing it. Like, he starts getting it going. And we're like egging them on. We're having fun. We're all doing our standing up, like getting the crowd going. And uh, by the time he gets it all the way around, he go all the way around Miller Park, which was impressive. Yeah. When he did that, he stood up and took his shirt and ripped it in half. Yeah. Ripped it in half the entire thing and took it off. It was outstanding. His wife proceeds to leave. So mad that this happened, she left. And I'm dying laughing. Like, this was so funny. This was great. Like, I'm having a good time as well. And all of a sudden, I proceed to get a text message from my ex girlfriend right there. So my phone starts buzzing. It just says, look to your left. Legit, like 15 feet away from me, was my ex girlfriend just staring there, watching the whole thing. I used to wonder, I was like, oh, sort of a bitch like <laughs> really this had to happen uh, oh, that's amazing but it was uh, still pretty damn funny
3: <laughs> the story she tells is i'm glad it didn't
2: work out with that guy oh, absolutely <laughs> i like i broke up with him a couple months before and i saw him at a bruise gave him his hammer and he was up. like thank god i'm not with him anymore <laughs> that's kind of that's probably legit right. what happened you're right that's a good uh that's a good wave story I, yeah, I know, right? I didn't disappoint on that Mm-mm. one, and the Packers did not disappoint. week won. They had come out with a victory out of Chicago, so we haven't really talked since then. What's uh, just a quick game reaction? I know a lot of people on the Pack Day podcast have already talked about all this stuff, but just just give me some dusty thoughts on what's been what you liked or what you didn't like, what you saw. Yeah, I mean
3: it's it's weird, dude. I mean, because we talked about this, we previewed the game. And it's it's we get this long you know week and a half because they open a Thursday which is cool but you also get kind of the full cycle of reaction where like I watched the game um, watched the full game with my little brother I had a friend there for a little bit had to leave but uh, you know we we I think I, I talked about it last week we were playing softball so I missed it I wasn't able right. to watch it and we DVR'd it started at the beginning we were able to avoid all phones all everything we had absolutely nothing uh, spoiled for force which was great. Uh, so we're watching it and, you know, we go nuts at the end, the Amos pick, especially when it nuts on and then when they finally close it out, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And of course it was Amos. That was great. Um, and I'm hyped and, you know, next day you kind of start thinking about kind of what they look like. I've rewatched it a couple of times since then. And the fan reaction has, has gone from like, you know, excitement that they won. And now it's, you know, we've, we've kind of come full circle back to, um, well, they didn't look that good, and how are they going to look going forward? And so it's it's weird that it's been like this week and a half, and you have this kind of spin. Me personally, um, it's again it's such a weird game because that defense. I've got a couple things. That defense was so good uh, on both sides, but there are also so many misplays, uh, misthrows by both quarterbacks. Uh, you know, run run game didn't look particularly good by either. So you've got this kind of, they won, and the defense looked good. And it was like, well, they played they played good defense. We expected the Packers' defense to be good. You expect the Bears' defense to be good. Uh, maybe that's just kind of how things are going to be. And then we saw offensive explosion on Sunday. And to me, that kind of like a little more was, well, maybe we should have seen some bigger plays, even with good defense. Uh, you know, you've seen, what, KC putting up 40 and the Ravens putting up 500 or whatever it was. Um, so I think where I'm at now, I'm I'm currently at the Packers got a win. They did not play their best. The Packers got a win. I don't know how much information I can possibly glean from this just because the, that Bears defense is so good. They're so fast. They play so disciplined that it's tough to really extrapolate too much off of that. Um, I will say that for, for only scoring 10 points and getting a win for clearly not being at their best offensively is not something that really happened too much in the past. So it, that is exciting to see. Um, and seeing Mitch Trubisky be terrible was also a lot of fun. So um, where, where I'm currently at is, uh, fun, you know, they got the win, it was a fun game. There's a lot of stuff to think about. Ultimately, I don't know how much we can project going forward, how this is going to be. Um, but there's enough interesting stuff in there that I think was, um, even going back and watching, was there's, you know, just some, some fun stuff going on. I'm, I'm excited to see where they, they go going forward.
2: Yeah, I had a lot of the same takeaways. Uh, I was at a, a Bears bar, which was actually kind of fun to be there, especially <laughs> with everything going on. I got a lot of uh, negative looks from the guy wearing the Tim Tebow jersey. Anytime I would, yeah, anytime I would cheer for the Packers, the guy would turn around and really care. Um, you're wearing a Tim Tebow jersey. What the hell? Like, well, it's yeah,
3: like it, a Tebow a t- a Broncos che- jersey. Was he cheering for the Bears? Yeah, he was cheering for the Bears. Why was he wearing a teal I
2: couldn't tell if it was just because they had the same colors, and they, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I didn't really want to engage him and ask questions. Smart. I, yeah, it was just, and it was a seedier area of Indiana. It wasn't the nice area of Indiana. So, yeah. But uh, big takeaways for me: Darnell Savage was a big one. That dude is outstanding. I the, the safety play in general was just such a huge upgrade. Like that was so much fun to watch because over the last how many years have we just had horrific safety play and to go in and all of a sudden just have your rock and Adrian Amos who can control the backside. And then you have a freaking rocket in Darnell Savage that just blows plays up cover like nobody's other and make up ground. Like, Oh my God, it's such a, a breath of fresh air for a Packers defense. And then the edges, you see Kenny Clark blowing plays up in the back. Like, Rogers wasn't lying. We have a defense. Like it'll be interesting to see it against the Vikings, but right now it's a good feeling. I didn't like Rodgers not taking things quickly, uh, not making good throws. And I know I saw some stats out there saying he was only had 33% accurate throws and
3: That's incorrect. other
2: people saying, you know, it depends on the grading and everything like that. And I tend to believe it's more somewhere in the middle than yeah. like there were, there were some bad throws for sure. Yes. Um, there were some great throws, uh, so oh. it's a mixed bag. He didn't play in at all in the preseason. Neither did Mitch Trubisky. And look at that, <laughs> makes, they missed some throws. <laughs> yeah. So it, it makes sense. Like to me, I think the game actually just it just made sense. You had a great defense in the Bears, which we expected. We yeah. weren't sure if the Packers would have a great defense, but it, for that one game, they showed it that they could be. Mm-hmm. Yes, so you do that, and then normally the defenses. With that, and you don't, you've got a new offense in the Packers. Like it actually just kind of fits what makes sense to me. I guess mm-hmm. I'm expecting growth in the future, but right now, you you come out of Chicago against that defense with a victory. That's a win. That's just a win overall. Yep. Like in the in the win column, and it's a win for your your team's morale. Like it's just a good thing overall.
3: Yeah, it showed something a little different on defense. They got the win, and they got enough teaching moments to where you can make it not feel like
2: it's a super victorious win. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's good all the way around. And I did like the fact that Rodgers even took blame for, like you said, I played bad. He, yeah. he, he, before, I feel like it would have been other ways to throw somebody under the bus mm-hmm. or just take put the blame on the, the receivers weren't running the right routes or anything. I like the fact that he owned it, and hopefully he does start to improve. But overall, like, 1-0, I'm jacked up. Like, I'm, I'm jacked up against the Vikings on Sunday and uh, most likely be taking over the number one position in the NFC North. Like, it's going to be a good time.
3: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: So we did a mailbag. We uh, It's kind of something we'd like to do a couple times during the year because the Thursday edition is not uh, – if we don't have the the game day – You're kind of in that in-between zone. So we kind of want to hit on what you guys want to hear about. So we threw it out on Twitter, got a bunch of responses, so we're happy for that. So we'll just kick it right off. Start off with at Mr. Packers 115. Do you think they can scheme for Gary the same way they did for Cairo last year and be successful with it? Or has the defense evolved since then that we have enough talent to not have to do this as much?
3: it's both right I mean it, like they have the talent we've seen that they have the talent where they don't necessarily have to do it they had to do it last year because they had no pass rushing and so you have to scheme that open and when you scheme a lot of times when you scheme some of that stuff up you're you're losing contain elsewhere like it's it's a risk when you're doing that stuff um, so that, that's that's part of it but just because they don't have to do it as often doesn't mean they can't still do it it's still petting um, as soon as I can tell, Petton is a is a madman with scheming up that stuff, and so he's going to scheme that up. I mean, we've, we've I've been saying this, you know, all offseason. I mean, I'm not the only one not taking credit for that. That uh, Gary at least his first year, like he's going to be raw, There's a situational pass rusher, and they're going to look for ways to uh, to get him in there, which which they did a couple times this past week. So yeah, no, I mean they've got the talent up front. They don't need to do it as often. They don't need to do it to generate pass pressure. But they're still going to do it, and it's going to be all the more effective because of the talent they have up front now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like it would almost be like not to be—it would be nonsensical not to scheme him. Like that's Correct. what you want yeah. to do. Like you want to throw him on stunts. You want hit You want to put him in in positions to succeed, which they did. And I'm actually, I think I'm trying to look it up, but he didn't play a lot of snaps, if I'm remembering. No, he did not. Uh, was if I'm trying to, I'm trying to look it up on a fly, which is never a good thing to do while you're podcasting. <laughs> uh, but he got two, I believe he got two pressures out of everything. Like they stunted him, and he came around. The, like you see a dude like that flying around the middle, and Mitch did not complete the pass. Like you, you definitely need to scheme him early on to get him right away. But I mean, anybody, it's kind of like Mike McCarthy's old ass offense of get open. That doesn't work. You can't just yeah. throw your guys, your your defensive front, and be like, hey, go beat those guys. Like, no, you scheme, you make stunts, you make blitzes. You, you do smart things to get people in good situations. So that's what they need to continue to do. And Patton did a great job. I mean, mm-hmm. and you talked about pressures, man. zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. Good Lord oh my God. What a welcome sight, like. Ten pressures from Zadarius. I think you said it was eight from Preston. I think so, yeah. Ooh, Which and I and I was going to
3: look this up and I didn't, but I think last year the top pressure getter for the Packers was Mike Daniels with like twenty six.
2: And he 20. missed like five games.
3: Yeah, and Zadarius just picked up ten in in one game. Not to say he's going to be that way every game, but yeah, they've got they got players, man. I
2: mean, they got some start, players. They'll, now they'll start. Now offenses will start to scheme to like you know chip block him and. Things, but that that's fine. You got you've got players all over that line, man. Now. Any any time
3: you have to make an offense think about a player and what they have to do, that opens up a lot. That
2: opens mm-hmm. up a whole lot. All right. Next up, we have at Book of Eli NFL. If Taylor continues a struggle, at what point do you think they make the switch from Taylor to Jenkins? I know this is a hot point button for you, so I will let you just take this one right away. Yeah, I mean if. I've
3: said this all along, and, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, if he struggles to the point where he is, like, borderline unplayable, we'll see Jenkins. I think the coaching staff, and I think the, I think everyone kind of has a plan, or if he gets injured, um, I think they have a plan that Jenkins will likely be the starter next year, uh, you know, spot starter in case of, you know, the health or something. But I don't think the plan is to have Jenkins see the field, again, unless Taylor is borderline unplayable. And the thing, and I, I don't like to bring this up, I don't like to bring this up, um but you're going ta- to i'm going to taylor, <laughs> taylor didn't look good billy turner looked worse but those guard positions and i'm gonna those guard positions not great not great either of them but also it was the bears who had a very 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 good defense um and i think the last point to consider is that we we don't know how long how far along jenkins is like we saw him some in the preseason. Uh, the coaching staff obviously knows, and if they want to play him next year, that's fine. If they think that he's going to be better than Taylor and Taylor becomes a problem, I'm sure they will do that. But we really don't know exactly how far along he is. Um, he could still be a ways. He could be very raw. He could, they could still feel like he needs a year of work and that Taylor is better at this point in time. Like We simply don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm currently on the, unless he becomes borderline unplayable or gets injured, we're not seeing Jenkins this year, unless it's like an extra offensive lineman in a package or something.
2: I think I play a little bit more of the fan side than you do because you do a lot of you know tape research and you, you get to watch all that kind of stuff. I mean, I saw Lane Taylor get pushed straight back onto his ass, and I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, hmm, maybe they should put it in Jenkins. Like That was like le- legit my first thought. You know, reasoning Tim Tebow for- guy give you a high five
3: when you said this, Steve. Like, Yeah, buddy.
2: <laughs> Please, he does not know who Elm Jenkins is. That's true, That's he probably true. knows like four players on the. On the, the guy board, that plays so. the piano,
3: tiny dancer guy. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, that, Yeah. put that guy in. That's cool.
2: <laughs> so initially, like initially, that was my thought, but like you know, for me, actual reasoning takes over. I'm like, okay, no, you're in Chicago, you don't want to throw a rookie right in the guard position. Look, like. Yeah. Lane Taylor got thrown on his ass. like th- That defensive tackle ran right over him. You're telling me that Jenkins wouldn't potentially have gotten run over to him as well. Yeah. It's, you, you want that comfort level. You want somebody that Aaron Rodgers knows, that David Batiari knows, that Corey Lindsley knows. They work together well, those three on that left side. You don't need to go and disrupt it right away. And as you said, if he starts falling off, okay, you've got your replacement right there. But it's not necessary at the minute, and we don't need to call for it any time Lane, Lane Taylor gets injured or gets uh messes up a play yeah and i don't want to say that like he shouldn't be out there or
3: whatever because again i have no idea how far along he is it's just it's funny that one of the talking points um for a lot of a lot of people that maybe don't even necessarily you know they follow they follow the nfl i don't i don't don't really say any disparaging. like is is like offensive line continuity is kind of a known thing as you just mentioned you know you got bakhtiari and linsley and you kind of you know that and people know their roles and that's a huge thing and it's a huge thing that a lot of people talk about a lot of people know um and then a guy struggles in week one and it's We'll pull him out of there. Like it's not. It's. I mean, it's. It's not. This comes up a lot, but it's not stratomatic. I mean, it comes up even with stat stuff as well. Like, there's more to consider than just true talent level. There's. There's. How does he fit in with everyone else? There's. How far along is he? It's. What. The, what does that do to the locker room? Like, there's. A, there's a whole bunch of things to consider that just saying, "Well, this guy looked better in the preseason." Um. That. That just doesn't answer. So. Uh, I don't know. If Jenkins starts in a game, that's fine. Um. I just. I don't know. I don't. I don't particularly see it this year.
2: Yeah, that kind of makes sense to me. I'm sorry. I was trying. To, again, things you should not do while podcasting is trying to research. It does not work well. <laughs> um, I was trying to go through our next, my next uh, question and figure out some backup stats for it. But we shall move on. Um, Dusty wanted, we wanted to talk a little bit. Our next question was from Tommy Evans Barton. While many people are talking about the role of BJ Goodson expanding Sunday due to a rushing attack of the Vikings, is it crazy to think that Raven Green stays in due to the emphasis Minnesota placed on getting to the corner on runs against the Falcons as well? As speed. Yeah, I mean the the
3: the. Green speed is a big one. Um, there's a, I think there's a couple of big talking points here. Is that if you looked at that Vikings offense and what they did, they obviously had a lot of rushing yards, um, and a lot of those seemed to. I didn't. I didn't see exactly how many came outside the tackles or, or to the outside, but it seemed like a lot of them. At least their big chunk plays kind of came outside. Uh, and so, I mean, the 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 thing with Goodson is very good run defender. Uh, green is faster. Sideline to sideline. And the other thing, so Green played, I looked this up, Green played, uh, this is per uh, Pro Football Focus, 56 defensive snaps against Chicago, which was 77% of of the defensive snaps. On 40 of those snaps, so that's 73% of the time he was on the field, he was in the box. Uh, and he played very, very well. I mean, he was kind of all over the place. Um, he, on top of just what you can get from having him in the game, as far as kind of an interchangeable safety and making you a little more more unpredictable, uh, you've got a guy who played very well in the box and now going up against a team that ran very well to the outside. It seems to me like it does make sense to have a guy like that who has probably a little more sideline-to-sideline side speed uh, to get them to defend. Um, now, if Goodson is, if they believe in Goodson and they want to do that, that's fine. But I think just just from what we saw last week, and just from what the Vikings did last week, I think I'd rather have Green out there as far as a guy that can that can cover that sideline to sideline and get some of those those outside uh, runs there. So uh, it wouldn't it's not to me it's not crazy to think that at all that that Green
2: stays in. Uh, kind of due to what we saw from Minnesota. I'll be very intrigued because we talked Goodson only had special team snaps. Uh, I think they'll probably throw him in a couple times, especially with Galvin Cook doing the things that he did and you know him being the thumper that. We're all kind of hoping he's gonna be for you know Antonio Morrison replacement <laughs> kind of. Sure, um, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But I don't. Ex- I, I expect Raven Green to be around. Like I expect mm-hmm. him to be be that guy. Like if Goodson starts to produce, starts to do that. Like it's still it's still week two for him and a defense that he's just learning again. Yeah, I, 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 I don't expect. I don't expect much from him um so quite interesting but yeah again like i'm not expecting much from goodson i'm expecting green to be that guy that can like you said sideline to sideline be able to track down davlin cook and have you know right next to blake martinez who can make those sure tackles
3: yeah great green can play man we showed him he balled out green can play i'd I'd love to see him out there
2: so yeah that'll be good um next one up we've got if minutes from ben sailor If Minnesota somehow manages to minimize Devontae's impact, who's most likely to step up as the next most dangerous receiving option? Do you think we'll see MVS step into a clear wide receiver two role? Does GMO record a reception? Could touchdown Jesus make an appearance? Big Bob red zone threat. Um, Again, Dusty, I know you've got a couple of thoughts here, so I'm just going to let you go. Uh, Yeah,
3: you've got one, too. I'm not going to step on your Devontae thing. But, I mean, I I think if you look at – if you look at how the team's constructed, it's got to be MVS, right? I mean, Rodgers targeted him six times in week one, which is tied for second with Jimmy Graham. Uh, Devontae obviously had, had the top with eight. He was looking uh, MVS's way. MVS had uh, what we'll call likely the uh, the offensive play of the game on the 47-yard the, the uh, post bomb there. Uh, so we had that. So I, I think MVS seems like the obvious choice. Um, the other thing I want to say, this is nothing against Ben, because I like Ben. Ben, you're a nice guy. Um <laughs> I, this
2: is the things that he says to me right before him. I've literally
3: that. never said that about you is the <laughs> thing. That's where you're wrong, Steve. Uh, I, I need to stop. I need to stop talking about Kumro. Stop. It's fine. It's fine. He made the team. That's cool. Uh, maybe he's got, you know, a rapport with Rodgers. Kumro got one snap at wide receiver. One snap that I and And I, I saw this uh, through pro football reference, and I do not recall seeing him on the field. He's clearly behind Trevor Davis, and Trevor Davis had a nice day. Uh, you know, not—I think he had one catch, but he did some things. He, he made the defense know he was there. I want to make it illegal, illegal to bring up Jake Kumro's name, let alone a nickname, without talking about Trevor Davis first, because Trevor Davis deserves this. And Kumaro has done nothing except for shine in the preseason and have Rodgers say nice things about him sometimes. Like it's, it's, it's a pet peeve of mine. I hate that. It kind of goes back to the Janis thing. Like I hate this kind of like making cult heroes out of receivers that have done nothing while ignoring the talent that is actually on the roster that's been busting for years and actually is on the verge of breaking out and has like a very good thing he can do in this offense. To not bring up Trevor Davis, but to bring up Kumaro. That really gets me. I really dislike that. Uh, so again, Ben, nothing against you. Uh, just it's it's a pet peeve of mine. So I'm going to say MVS, but you know, honestly, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked to say Trevor Davis do some stuff, or just Devante because Devontae is good. Um, but that's that's my thoughts. There's my Kumar rant.
2: Outstanding. That was uh, that was some good stuff there, Bud. I appreciate what Thank you, you. Uh, what you brought there. I you know the Devante thing is. You know Julio Jones didn't do great against the uh, the Vikings. Didn't do great against the Vikings. Like it's actually kind of funny because I I, I know that Nagler posted something about uh, Devontae scoring touchdowns against the Vikings, and I believe it's uh, the last four times I played them that he scored a touchdown. But it was kind of fun because I just was scrolling through Nagler's whole feed. And it's just him ripping on Vikings fans, which is just outstanding. <laughs> just so much fun to see all of just going after people, and uh, yeah, that was good. Thank- so, Aaron, if you are listening, I know you do listen once in a while, more to listen to Dusty and Sarah than to me, and I, I understand that. But I appreciate you listening to to us. Nonetheless, uh, I mean, no. you come at the
3: king, you best not miss. Like you, <laughs> like Vikings or Bears fans coming at Nagler, like
2: it's just it's open season, man. It's open mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, like I'm looking for Devontae to get a touchdown. I think even um, I think that was Andy that just posted something earlier today saying the last time that hasn't scored a touchdown in back to back games team
3: yeah that's yeah that's insane that's an insane stat
2: so yeah i mean i'm still you, you tell me you're throwing xavier rhodes on him like i don't really care i don't care like i still expect him to get four or five catches like 50 to 75 yards and a touchdown like it's still happening i think mvs is your number two like i think that's just the way it's gonna go like the dude's just a, a speed demon and he can mm-hmm. catch like he can catch the ball Uh, And I know people are ragging on that Rodgers throw that wasn't like he didn't have enough zip on the ball. He doesn't have the arm anymore. But if you go back and watch it, and I know Ross Uglum had done a nice little breakdown. He is taking the eyes of the safety. He's taking the eyes of the other cornerbacks, and he's completely going to the left and then chucking it right. Like, no, this is a, let's see what Pat Mahomes does all the time. And yeah, he did his no look pass for 47 yards. Patrick Mahomes airmailed like a seven yard pass. No luck. Yeah, I mean, it. I
3: touched on that a little as well, and I mean, you get that it allowed MVS to square off. Like he knew that safety wasn't in the middle. Uh, you know, I think I think maybe there is there is a concern around that, but he that's an easier catch and it's an easier throw. And like you said, he's he's looking left, so it's like a lot's a, a lot of negative things being said about a forty-seven yard completion on a touchdown
2: drive. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is what we do. We need to nitpick every single throw, discuss every single thing. It's just what we do. That's true. <laughs> We I need mean, all the Packers content in the world, so... That's true. It is. Now, uh, Jacob Dorch came up with the best question of the day, so thank you, Jacob. Mm-hmm. Dusty, what is the best podcasting bourbon? Of
3: all of these, this is the one I put the most amount of thought into. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you and I, Steve, uh, pretty much every every week, we... we We drink bourbon when we do this, and that's so – I either sound smarter or dumber. It's So I I tell myself that I sound smarter when I do this, but that's incorrect. Um, Tonight, we're actually both drinking Weller Special Reserve, which this is Mm -hmm. your first time. Uh, It's a personal favorite of mine. I used to be able to find it all over the place, uh, and so this was my go-to because I got to find it for relatively cheap. And it's it's a mild bourbon. I think it's like 90 proof or something. It's real smooth, and so it's not going to kill you, but it's also got a really good flavor to it. And so that was going to be my go-to. It's now next to impossible to find, Um, even here. Like, I had to know a guy who knew where to find it. I actually had a man come to my office with an insulated bag with that in there, and then I handed him money like it was a drug dealer for my last (laughs) bottle, which is just insane to me. Um, So because it's harder to find, I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to go a personal favorite of mine. um, I go podcasting, non-podcasting. Still kind of difficult to find but way easier um, is Eagle Rare. Uh, it's a ten-year bourbon. It's put up by Buffalo Trace. It's incredible. Again, I think it's a ninety-proof, uh, but it's real smooth. Like great-tasting bourbon. Just tremendous-tasting bourbon. And uh, again, age ten years, and it's around like thirty bucks a bottle. Not um, that, not super easy to find, but is easy-ish to find. So that's that's generally my go-to uh, for podcasting bourbon. Steve, what do you got?
2: Yeah. So I, this is my first time finding the weller. I was down in Chicago, and I I found a bottle. I was beyond excited, and I absolutely uh, <laughs> one of those things, if you can't find the bottle in Wisconsin at all, then you definitely need to do that. Stuff. Mm-hmm. One of those things, um, I would say my go-to, I've I've really enjoyed, it's kind of like you said, difficult to find, but I've been able to find relatively successful finding it in the Milwaukee areas, uh, the McKenna Tenure. Yes. that is um, That one's, I believe it's 110 proof, so it does have a little bit more kick to it. But I do, I find it's, it's, you know, I'm a guy that drinks it with ice, so smooths it out a little bit for me. But, man, that's uh, that, that thing goes down easy. And then sometimes after, you know, two of those during the podcast, it's a little loose at the end. Start micing, m- knocking your mic around a little bit. Do hey, it happens. Knock some earphones out, you know. <laughs> it we will. happen. Up.
3: We were up for the uh, Green Bay Atlanta game this past year and we went to some seedy liquor store either in Green Bay or just outside of Green Bay and we found a bottle of McKenna Ten Year and went back to the hotel room and just uh, drank about half of it between the four of us. It's uh, I think it's the only time I had it. It's delightful.
2: Well, it was pretty funny. We, so I was in Kentucky uh, about an hour and a half from Dusty over, mm-hmm. the, week, over the weekend for a, a bachelor party and we were doing a bunch of distillery tours and they were selling McKenna at one of them and one of the guys like got all jacked up he's from North Carolina he's like oh, I can never find this I'm like dude there's a bottle at the Airbnb and it was <laughs> when we when we left it was still full by the time I woke up on Sunday morning there was like about <laughs> two to three fingers worth left in the entire bottle like he woke up he's like I'm really sorry I drank most of it I'm like dude I don't care That was <laughs> that's awesome me. yeah so that was saying, Thank you, Jacob, for that. Uh, yes. We will also take any of your bourbon suggestions as well. Uh, always mm-hmm. looking forward to that. All right, let's move on. Jordan Walsh wants to know, what defensive player are you most excited to watch on Sunday? I'll jump in right away because I know I've got one. I want to see more of Kevin King. Healthy. I want to see him make plays. I also want to see him finish plays. Like that ball that was in his hands that he should have picked off. I want to see him finish that. I want him to become that number two, number one cornerback and become a stud. Like, I, like he, he played good. There were some plays he missed, and that's understandable. But that's the guy I'm looking for. I mean, we, we saw Zedarius. We saw Preston. We saw Kenny Clark. Like, those guys showed up. Savage, Amos, those guys showed up. I want to see more from Kevin King. That is where I'm going to be looking for. That's what I'm looking for on Sunday.
3: Yeah, and I'm going to go uh, a couple guys you just named. I'm doing two. I'm going to do Zadarius. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to do the Smiths. I changed it. I was going to say Darnell Savage. Um, but now that I think of it, just based on the running game of the Vikings, I'm going to do uh, Zadarius and Preston. Uh, we need someone to kind of uh, kind of set an edge, which Preston Smith will do because he's very good at that. And then uh, Zadarius Smith will also set an edge and also do a whole lot of other just – massive disruption inside so i mean just based on and if if the packers jump out earlier it's going to be a little more passing so maybe savage comes into play but based on what the vikings did this past week which was i think they i think Kirk cousins had 10 attempts if i'm not mistaken he did like they got up they got up early and just ran the ball so who knows if that's gonna be the game plan but if it does follow i'm looking at the trenches i'm looking at the line what does that happen so yeah we'll do uh we'll do the smiths i'm excited to see what kind of havoc they can wreak against
2: minnesota all right, last question. We've got it coming from Peter Houston. It's a uh, a projection. It's week nine. Rodgers is still playing as if he's a mere mortal. Are you ready to accept that maybe that that's just who he is at this point in his career? Or do you believe that despite the last couple of seasons, he can still return to superhuman Rodgers again? Dusty, go! <laughs> everyone
3: got to calm down, man.
2: Everyone, <laughs> we got to calm
3: uh, Man, It was week one in Chicago against a team that won the division that had the number one defense last year, Uh, the Packers coming in with a new offense and they won. And yes, they struggled, but that bears defense, I think there's a misconception that, that when Rogers holds the ball sometimes uh, that, that it's because he's passing stuff up, that bears defense is good. And they clogged a lot of throwing lanes and yeah, he missed some throws. But it's week one and they were clearly out of sync from an offensive perspective. So that's that's all I'm gonna say. Rogers was rusty, week one, new offense, good defense. It's really early. I will say, like that I have some things nagging in the back of my brain, but I am I'm tamping those down because it's way too early to that. Now, in this scenario, and, and I think we talked about this before, Steve, if it bleeds over into week two, if this happens again, it's gonna get louder. But this is a really good defense. They're facing another good defense. Um, they're only one more week in the offense. Like I, I expect them to struggle a little bit. Now, under this scenario, if it's week nine and Rodgers is still missing missing throws, looks a little iffy, like he's got these things going on, I think we can start to consider it. I think at this point, there's almost zero reason to even have the discussion, in my mind. There's just – there's there's you can think it, I guess, probably – but there's not enough information right now to draw any real conclusions and to really think cuz he, he might light it up in the next couple weeks and be like oh okay we, we, what was the point um but as of right now no i don't i don't i don't think if we get to week 9 we'll we'll bring it back steve we need to make a note one of our listeners make a note we're going to revisit this in week 9 and we're going to see where things stand and then we'll 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 bring
2: it back i uh, i think from i would say week 4 to 5 if it's been 4 to 5 weeks and there's Still, nothing going on. Then I'm concerned. Right now, I, I don't have enough. Like I have one week against a top three defense. I got nothing. Like I got nothing.
3: But even then, like and projecting projecting defenses is is, is tough year to year. That it kind of changes. I know rushing defense usually projects a little better year to year than passing, but it's tough to know. So I mean, this lineup we got the we just you know the, just face the Bears, Vikings, Broncos, Eagles. Cowboys, like Lions, and then you got Raiders, Chiefs. Like, it might be, like, depending how this shakes out, like, I wouldn't be shocked. The Vikings are probably going to be good. Broncos have the pieces. We just saw the Raiders do some stuff, but the Broncos have the pieces. Um, Eagles, after a rough start, looked pretty good last week. And the Cowboys, I'm not really sure. So you could conceivably see, like, the first five teams they face this year have uh, at least pretty good defenses. Now, you expect Rodgers to do some stuff, but there's not really any cupcakes through the first five weeks from a defensive standpoint. I don't. I don't think so. It's it's kind of one of those like, it's even through well, five. I'm. I think I'm going to be like, well, it depends the, on how it depends on how it looks. I guess right.
2: Uh, and you're not expecting it to fly right away, but y- you need to see improvement. Like that's yes. my thing through five. If if all of a sudden, it, if it all looks like it does in week one through five weeks, then there's there's concerns. But if you're not seeing. You know, new things open up. If you're not seeing him correct throws, like that's where I start to get concerned after four or five weeks. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I, you're completely right. Like they are. Like it's it's a tough schedule. They they did not get the uh, they did not get the Patriots openings for <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, they have a quite quite easy schedule to start the week. Yeah, pretty easy division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. I think, I think it's time for uh, score predictions. We all predicted that the Packers would win, so we're all sitting at 1-0. We also have not come up with a bet yet, but we're progressing through that. <laughs> Since Sarah is not here, we'll lead off with her. She did, um, from the UN, she did tweet us telling us that the score. Is- from the UN? Yes, exactly. From the UN, she told <laughs> us that it will be 24-17, to 17, the Packaroos. I didn't know that was a thing, but... Apparently, like thing. She might be drunk. I wonder if that's. a she... <laughs>
3: <laughs> It's Sarah. No, she just she had too many Oreos. There's a lot of sugar in her system, too. <laughs>
2: oh, uh, speaking of Oreos, I did finally try the uh, maple cream Oreo. Hot damn, that's pretty good. Uh, I need to get some of those special edition. So they're hard to find, but uh, honestly, it kind of it tastes like a pancake. Like it was with some. Some of those with some milk, like uh, you, could, you'll, you'll be having a good uh, little dessert there.
3: I'm, I need to, I need to track some down. That sounds amazing.
2: I mean, I'll send some to you, but that would just—I think by the time they would get there, they, yeah, it wouldn't be good. You're just gonna like stick them in an envelope. I'm good, Steve. I don't need them. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine.
3: I'm good, dude. Okay.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, don't say I didn't offer. <laughs> All right. Score wise, what
3: do you got? Um, I got Packers as well. I think uh, just based on. Based on what the Vikings did, and I'll touch on this a little bit more in a minute, but based on what the Vikings did, uh, I think I think the Packers are going to win. I think the Packers are going to put up some points. I'm going to go Packers 28-14. All touchdowns. No field goals. All touchdowns. I like it. Well, the Vikings will miss, like, three. <laughs> Vikings, the Vikings, they're the Vikings. They're going to miss some. They will have some attempts. They
2: will just be, they will not have any makes, I guess. And I will also take the Packers. I'm going to go 24-14. I think there will be a pick 6 for the first time. The offense is still going to struggle a little bit, so they'll uh, they'll put up two touchdowns and show improvement, but not all the way there, but I'm going to take a uh, I'm going to take a Jair pick 6 the whole way down. So, nice. Nice.
3: Like I that. like it. I like it.
2: Yeah. All right. So, uh that kind of wraps us up. We will do what we always do. We'll do some closing thoughts. Dusty, what do you got for me?
3: I got two. One is football related and one is not. The first one that is not football related is I saw IT Chapter 2 and it ruled. I've seen some negative things. I don't disagree necessarily with all of them, but um, it was kind of awesome. I absolutely adored it. That's my thoughts on IT Chapter 2.
2: Good it's, to it's, know, I'm, think... uh, to, to inform everybody that is listening, I am actually, you know my, my hatred of clowns, but mm-hmm. I'm actually going to watch the first IT movie on Friday with my wife. I'm so proud of you. I've, i kinda, I, kind of I've been mentally preparing myself for this for about a month to be able to do it, and then all of a sudden in my head I was like, "Dude, you're 37 and you can't watch a movie that has a clown in it." Like, come on! Yeah. Like, I, so I got to get my I got to get my stuff. After we've got you know like a a, a dinner slash play date with some friends and kids, we put the kids to bed and time to watch the scariest clown movie.
3: It's fun. I really dig that one.
2: And the, Fall, the, if all goes well, then I will watch the second one.
3: The, and the cast in two is just tremendous. Like the names they got.
2: I've been and it's again, I've been watching the, like the the trailers and all this kind of stuff. And as much as it's like he looks creepy as hell as the dog. Like come on, that, we can't argue. It looks creepy as hell in the mirror thing, and he's like yep. licking the glass. Like that's creepy as hell. But it, it does. Like it looks like it's well done. And I'm. It I, is. I, I at this point I'm like
3: I think I want to see it. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. There's a healthy dose of humor in the second one as well. So, yeah, okay. it's, uh, it's worth your time. Uh, so that's my non-football. My, my, my football one is the, the Vikings put up uh, 28 points last week against the, against the Falcons. Falcons looked a little discombobulated. Yep. Uh, two, <laughs> their first two touchdowns came with the ball starting in opponent territory. Uh, they started on the 21 of the Falcons and then the 41 of the Falcons. And then the next two were their own 21 and their own 20. Um, I kind of looked at this. So if you factor in penalties, even the ones of the two drives that they started in their own territory, they had at least 20 yards of penalties in each one. So their average touchdown drive, their Hmm. average scoring drive, if we look at from a yardage perspective and we're factoring in um, penalties, they gained an average of 38.8 yards. Like they ripped off some runs. They looked pretty good. I think if you <laughs> do look, that against J.K. Scott, buddy, that's exactly right. Like I think if you looked at, I think if you look at the stats, if you look at that score. Like, well, they looked really good, and the defense did look good. I mean, they picked off Ryan uh, a couple times, but you also had, you know, Cousins didn't have to do much. Cousins had ten attempts. Uh, he fumbled the ball three times. Uh, one of them uh, came back on a penalty, but like on on kind of stuff that Petten likes to draw up. So. I kind of went from I I hadn't watched the game. I saw the score. I kind of saw some of the stuff. It's like oh, this is going to be tough. After I watched the game, it's like this Vikings are good. I don't want to downplay that. Right. But if you just kind of look at how they scored and kind of how they looked and some of the misfires they had, it's it's they're not quite the world beaters that maybe those stats made them look like in week one. Now maybe week two is a different story. But um, I think just looking at that, it's it was it made me feel a little better. It made me feel a little better looking at that. So that's my my football thought there.
2: I, I appreciate you breaking that down. That's uh, that's something I actually didn't know. I didn't watch any of that game, so it actually makes me feel better. But I'm going to continue to trash on the Miniso- Minnesota Vikings because three hours ago, they put out the <laughs> world's stupidest video. They took their defense and like kind of mishmashed it with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and put the heads of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on some of their players because they all did a jump kick at the same time. That's As near as we can tell, that's the only reason they did But it doesn't make any damn sense. They didn't change any of the lyrics, because at mm. the end it says Teenage Mutant Ninja Vikings. Right. And but, they still know. use the heads of the turtles. By the way, why the hell don't they use Donatello more? Because he's the only one who has a purple headband, and he's only seen in part of the video. Like he yeah. should be the one that's featured, and again, yeah. you had a great point talking about how Shredder wears purple all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they Shredder wears
3: purple, and they also didn't cut out the part that says "heroes in a half shell" and they're green, which there's not. There's not. They did a coloration of one of the guy's arms afterwards, where he looks green, but they, they don't. There's no green on their uniforms. They're purple, which is Shredder. Which I, it's. You sent that to me. It's just baffling. I still don't. I don't understand any
2: of it. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. And uh, props to Jacob Morley because he had the best tweet I've seen with it so far. Was sewer dwellers?
3: <laughs> I seen that.
2: That's good. <laughs> so yeah, that that, uh, that that one made me laugh. So I, I like I get you're you're trying to do fun stuff and that that's great. But think about it before you tweet that out. Like that just it made no sense. You didn't get it i didn't I didn't like it um no', no it, wasn't, I, yeah. it wasn't clever it just wasn't good yeah I, you got you gotta think that through more yeah no. you guys suck <laughs> I do want to end uh with something I might get some some crap for, but I've been seeing this all over Twitter and I think as Packers fans we've played this out enough. national media has played this out enough and i'm i I'm calling for an end to it all of this. Um, think about what the Bears could be like with Mahomes with Watson because they they did Trubisky. Like I got it. Like when it first happened, like we all kind of made fun of the Bears for drafting Trubisky and trading up for him and doing that when you could have had Mahomes. Like when it was the draft, nobody knew. Nobody knew. Like it, the draft is a crapshoot. You, you never know what's going to happen. It is no longer an original thought it has become just a punchline, a tagline that everybody can say. So I feel like this is something that, as a Packers community, as a national community, we can move on from this. Like Everybody gets it. Everybody gets it. You're not original by pointing it out anymore. Not something – like, I've seen it every – the Packers beat the beat the Bears. Like, it's all over the place. Anytimes Mahomes play, anytime Watson plays, like, oh, think what the Bears could have been like if they had Mahomes, if they had – like – Okay, we get it. We get it. Let's come up with a new narrative. Let's come up with something else to make fun of Trubisky for. Like, I think this part has played out. I think we're good. We all know Trubisky sucks. We all get it. Let's come up with something new. Let's be better. Let's be more original. I want to hear some new things. So that is where I leave us. We are predicting three Packers wins from all three of us, from Dusty, from the UN kid, uh, and from me, so we're uh, we're hoping next week we'll be we will all be back. We'll be talking about the Packers being two and zero and first in the NFC North. Uh, wow, I almost see NFC Central. I was thinking I was thinking Brewers stuff. <laughs> yeah. I I've been checking the scores of the Brewers game and stuff, so I almost said NFC Central. Holy crap! But uh, all right, Dusty, that should uh, that should leave us. It's been fun. We will catch all next week and. Uh, yeah, celebrating some Packers victories. You got anything before we go? Got nothing, man. Just nothing, excited man. for week 2. It seems like it's been way too long since week 1. Uh so I just agree. excited
3: There's... for more Packers football.
2: We shall uh we shall have be celebrating a victory next week. So as always, go Pack go.